0: If you can grab your Bible and open it to Acts chapter 4, please. Acts chapter 4. And while you're doing that, I'm going to go ahead and open with a word of prayer. Lord, we thank you so much that you are so faithful. Lord, your word, every single word is a promise that will come true. Lord, you are faithful. You are a God who has so many amazing plans for us. And Lord, we are here and we want to be a part of your plan. Lord, we want to be a vessel. We want to be a tool in your hands. And so we pray that you would give us insight, give us understanding, encourage us this morning to be just that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We've titled this message, Greater Goals. Greater Goals. There is a survey that was given to people between the ages of 18 to 35, and they were asked, what would you like to accomplish in the next 10 years? And this survey was done a couple years ago. About 53% said, in the next 10 years, I'd like to buy a home. 41% said, I'd like to get married. 38% 38% said, I'd like to follow my dreams. 36% said, you know, I'd like to start a business. 33% said they'd like to become a parent. 32% said, you know what, I'd like to travel the country. Not the country, the world. I'd like to travel the world. 30%, only 30%, said that they would like to become financially independent from their parents. Hmm. 29% said they would like to start a career. Certainly, it's good to have goals. And we all have goals. It's good to have goals. Many go to the gym. They want to get in shape. They want to be healthy. But so many goals that we have, they're, they're so temporary-minded. With not so much of an eternal consideration. Consideration. A king was hunting in a forest when he stumbled upon a tree with several targets drawn onto the trunk of this tree. And right in the center of each target was an arrow, bullseye, every single one. Who is this fine archer? The king asked his men. I must find him and recruit him for my army. And just at that moment, a boy carrying a bow and a quiver of oils walked uh, Arrows, sorry, walked by, and overhearing the king, he admitted that he was the one who had shot all those arrows. Are you sure you didn't just put those arrows in the middle by hand? Asked the king. No, sire, said the boy. I shot them from a hundred paces away. Well, that's amazing, cried the king. From now on, consider yourself to be in the service of your king. The boy was overjoyed. Now tell me, continued the king, how did you come to be such an excellent archer? Well, said the boy, first I shoot the arrow at the tree, then I paint a target around it. (laughs) And in the same way, many people are guilty of setting goals they can't possibly miss. What are your goals? What goals do you have? What are you living for? As we consider Acts chapter 4, and we're also going to be looking at Acts chapter 3, we're going to be considering the goals of different people and different perspectives. D.L. Moody said, My purpose in life is to go to heaven and take as many people as possible with me. As we look at these chapters, we need to remember and consider that Peter and John and the early church have this commission from Jesus. And the words of Jesus to them in Acts chapter 1 were this. Jesus said in verse 8, You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And so, with that in mind, we're going to read about what happens, this amazing thing that John and Peter experience, And we're going to look at different perspectives, four different perspectives, different people in this story that actually happened. And first of all, we're going to look at the perspective of those who are in the world, those who are in need, those who don't have Christ in their life. And to do that, If you wouldn't mind, look at Acts chapter 3, so we can get some context, starting in verse 1. And it says, Now Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. And a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms from those who entered the temple of Nazareth rise up and walk and he took him by the right hand and he lifted him up and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength and so he leaping up stood and walked and entered the temple with him walking leaping and praising God and all the people saw him walking and praising God then they knew that it was he who sat begging alms at the beautiful gate of the temple And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened. So first perspective here is this man who we know was crippled ever since he was born. And that was his life. We know from Acts chapter 4 verse 22 that at this time he was over 40 years old. For 40 years of his life, this is what his experience was. He couldn't walk. All he could do was go to that gate and beg and What were the goals, if you will, for this person every day? I think his goal was just to survive another day. His goal was to hopefully get enough money or food to make it through that day. He couldn't work. He couldn't do anything because of this uh, handicap that he had. And so he just said, perhaps, I just need to get through another day. And I would compare that to every single person in this world who doesn't have Jesus Christ. They're walking through life. They don't realize their biggest need. And they're just setting goals that are so temporary. They don't, they don't look too far except for just, I need to, to do this one thing before I die in this life. Well, there is an ignorance that I see in this man, in this person who is living in this way for 40 years. And the ignorance in this man is his need for Jesus. The ignorance in this man is his need for eternal spiritual health. Remember, Jesus said, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Jesus said, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. And he who believes in me, as the scriptures, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Perhaps this man didn't have that hope. You know, he was sitting at this gate. I wonder how many times perhaps Jesus had walked past this man. I wonder how many times perhaps this man had heard about Jesus, but he never had those hopes. You know, it reminds me of the time that the Paralytic was brought to Jesus, remember, on the bed. Couldn't walk. And what is the thing that Jesus said to him? He said, son, be of good cheer. Your sins are forgiven. Jesus, knowing that that was that man's greatest need, offered him forgiveness of sins. Then he healed him physically. Well, in this perspective, in this man's life, and you think about his goal I don't think he had those hopes. His goals were just kind of low in the eternal scheme of things. I want to look at a different perspective and a different goal. And if we could look at chapter 4 now. And I want to look at the goals of the antichrists. The antichrists. And yes, The source of that is none other than Satan. But there are those who are anti-Jesus. They're anti-Christ. And you would think that after this miracle, everybody would just be celebrating, but not so. Look at chapter 4 in verse 1. It says, Now as they, that's Peter and John, as they spoke to the people, the priests, the captain of the temple, and the Sadducees came upon them, being greatly disturbed that they taught the people and preached in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they laid hands on them and put them in custody until the next day, for it was already evening. However, many of those who heard the word believed, and the number of the men came to be about 5,000. And it came to pass on the next day that their rulers Elders and scribes, as well as Annas, the high priest, Caiaphas, John and Alexander, and as many as were of the family of the high priest, were gathered together at Jerusalem. And when they had set them, that's Peter and John, when they had set them in the midst, they asked, by what power or by what name have you done this? We have the rulers, the elders, the scribes. These are the three classes of people that composed the Sanhedrin. The rulers were the chief priests who were Sadducees. The scribes were the Pharisees. And the Sadducees had this strong conviction. They were deceived. And they did not believe in a bodily resurrection. And I'm sure you've heard this before. That is why they were so sad you see they didn't believe in a bodily resurrection they were loyal to the roman government they desired to maintain a status quo they had an association with the wealthy class but here's the thing they had been deceived and they had this they dug their hills on this one thing there is no such thing as a resurrection and so for these guys these fishermen To come and preach in the name of this Jesus. Who they thought they had dealt with a couple months before. They came and they were preaching in the name of this Jesus. Whom they said had risen from the dead. And so the Sadducees made it their goal. To contradict and go against by any means possible. This preaching in the name of Jesus Christ. Who is the source? Well, the source is Satan. His name in the Hebrew means to oppose. His name in the Greek means adversary. Satan is referred to as the accuser and the tempter. He is referred to as the dragon and the serpent. He is called a liar and a murderer. And no doubt he deceives. And he's very crafty. What was the goal of these antichrists? Well, it was to stop the spread of this. Look at verse 17 of Acts chapter 4. Verse 17. But so that it spreads no further among the people, they said, let us severely threaten them that from now on they speak to no man in this name. And so they called them, Peter and John, and commanded them not to speak at all, nor teach in the name of Jesus. Skip down to verse 21. So when they had further threatened them, they let them go finding no way of punishing them because the because of the people since they all glorified God for what had been done. So what is the goal of the antichrist? What is the goal of Satan? It's to stop the spread of this name Jesus. And to this day, you think of all the different religions and you think of all the little things that people argue about. And so many things that he has deceived people with into saying, don't allow this Jesus to be preached. In this case, he did it through threats. He threatened them, threw them in jail, threatened them. That is the goal of the enemy of God. That is the goal of your enemy different perspective I want to look at. I want to look at this from Peter and John's perspective as well as the church at that time, the early church. What was their perspective? What were their goals? You know, the early church had none of the advantages that ministries today have and brag about. They didn't have big budgets. Their pastors lacked credentials from the accepted schools and seminaries. And most of the ministers had jail records <laughs> and would probably have had or they would have a hard time joining any one of our churches, let alone leading them. But again, what were the goals of, of Peter and John in the early church? I want to remind you again of that verse in Acts 1 verse 8 when Jesus said, but you shall receive power. When the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and Judea and to Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Peter and John were following direct orders from Jesus Christ. What was their goal? Their goal was to be a witness to Jesus. That's, That's what they wanted to do. They would have no glory or credit go to them. They would have all glory and all credit go to Jesus. Again, if you don't mind, look at Acts chapter 3 verse 11. Because look at the reaction that Peter has when he realizes that people are giving him and John the credit. In Acts chapter 3 verse 11, it says, Now, as the lame man who was healed held on to Peter and John. All the people ran together to them in the porch, which is called Solomon's, greatly amazed. So when Peter saw it, he responded to the people. Men of Israel, why do you marvel at this? Or why do you look so intently at us? As though by our own power or godliness, we made this man walk. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, glorified his servant, Jesus, whom you delivered up and denied in the presence of Pilate when he was determined to let him go. But you denied the Holy One and the just and asked for a murderer to be granted to you and killed the prince of life whom God raised from the dead, of which we are witnesses. And his name, through faith in his name, has made this man strong whom you see and know. Yes, the faith which comes through him has given him this perfect soundness in the presence of you all. Peter says, don't look at me, don't look at John, we did not do this. The one who did it is Jesus whom you all Crucified. I love again. In, in chapter 4 verse 13. I love that verse. It's so inspiring. Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John. And perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men. Hey that's, that's me. They marveled. And they realized. Ah. Uh, They've been with Jesus. You know, that term, uneducated and untrained, it basically means that they were laymen. They didn't go to any of our seminary or our Pharisee schools or the Sadducee school or the scribe schools, and yet here they are having this theological debate, and we can't stand up to them. Who are these guys? And they would say, you know what, we are witnesses for Jesus. We were there. We saw him. We saw him risen from the dead. We've seen all that he can do. And he's the one who did this miracle, not us. So what was their goal? To be a witness for Jesus. Look at verses 10 and 12. Or 10 through 12 of Acts chapter 4. Let it be known to you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man stands before you whole. This is a stone which was rejected by you builders, which has become the chief cornerstone. Verse 12. Nor is there salvation in any other For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. All in all, what I see is Peter and John giving all glory and all credit to Jesus. They didn't say, well, I put in several hours of prayer and study, you know. That's what you have to do. They said, we have nothing to do with this. It's just that Jesus left and he told us he was going to fill us with his Holy Spirit. And through the Holy Spirit, Jesus was going to continue to do these amazing things. He did it, not us. We're witnesses. Another goal that I see, another perspective that I see is the church. What were the goals? What was the perspective of the church. We'll look at their response. Look at verse 23, Acts chapter 4, verse 23. It says, "And being let go, they went to their own companions, so Peter and John go back to their brethren, and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them." So when they heard that, they raised their voice to God with one accord and said, Lord, you are God who made heaven and earth and the sea and all that is in them. So they get back together and they worship and praise God and they remind themselves and they declare that Jesus is God, not the Sanhedrin, not the Sadducees. He's the creator of heaven and earth. You know, the name of Jesus has not lost its power, brothers and sisters. Realize that. The name of Jesus has not lost its power, but many of God's people have lost their power because they've stopped praying to the sovereign God. We stop praying. We don't pray the way the early church Prayed. The early church prayed and God answered mightily, and this was their emphasis. And this really stood out to me. The emphasis was on the hand of God at work in the life of the church. Not the hand of man at work for God. I'm going to read that one more time. The emphasis was on the hand of God at work in the life of the church, not the hand of man at at work for god how do we pray we should pray together united as a church for god's kingdom for god's glory you know it's good to pray for those who are doing the ministry isn't it uh it's good we should pray for pastor terry I get so encouraged when people find out that I'm going to be teaching and they're like, Oh man, I'm going to pray for you this week. I'm like, thank you. I need those prayers. It's so important. But I think the way that we pray for the church, the way we should, we could pray for each other is Lord, would you work through that teaching? Lord, would you work through your word? Lord, would you work through that ministry? Lord, would you work through those missionaries who are in Africa? Lord, would you work in the power of your name, Lord Jesus? Mightily would you work through those people. May it be your hand, God, and not theirs. That would be a great way to pray. The emphasis is on God's hand. Now, another thing that they did is they continued to ask God to just work through Peter and John. They didn't say, all right, we're done. We did it. They wanted more. Look at verse 29. Acts chapter 4, verse 29. Now, Lord, look on their threats. And that word boldness, it simply means freedom in speaking, unreservedness in speech. It means frankness, speaking courageously, frankly, the simple truth. Jesus is Lord. He's the way, the truth, and the life. And there is no way to the Father except through him. Speaking boldly, speaking simply, you know, as all the Pharisees and the scribes and the Sadducees, they saw these untrained men and they saw this miracle. It was proof and it was evidence that Jesus Christ is still alive and that he is at work in the church by his Holy Spirit. They thought they were done with Jesus, but they didn't realize that they have now to deal with. They have the Holy Spirit in every believer, empowering them to live for God. So they prayed. True prayer is not telling God what to do, but it's asking God to do his will in us and through us. Oftentimes we want to tell God what to do. Well, Lord, let me help you out here. Let me give you some direction. It should be, Lord, I pray that your will would be done through me, whatever that may be. Lord, would you do your will through this situation, through this circumstance? They didn't, tell, they didn't ask God, Lord, why are you letting them threaten this? Stop, stop their threats, God. They didn't pray that. They said, Lord, give us boldness and fill us and help us to speak boldly. Help us to do your will. It means getting God's will done on earth, not man's will done in heaven. Augustine said, pray as though everything depended on God and work as though everything depended on you. So we still do our part, but realize that it all depends on God. Wiersbe said, Prayer is not an escape from responsibility. It is our response to God's ability. True prayer energizes us for service and for battle. And so again, the perspective, the goal of Peter and John and the church were that they would be witnesses; that they would work together to lean on God. That that was their goal. Brother, you have to do this. Sister, you have to do this. Okay, let's pray together because God has to be the one to do it. And that should be our perspective. I want to look at one more perspective, one more point of view. And that is God's point of view. If you could ask this question, what are God's goals? What would he say? What are God's goals For us, his people. For me, his son or his daughter. I'm reminded of when Jesus in Luke chapter 4 read out of the book of Isaiah. And he read these words. Jesus read these words. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind. And to set at liberty those who are oppressed and to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. And it says that Jesus closed the book, gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And as all the eyes of those who were in the synagogue were fixed on Jesus, Jesus said, Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Jesus has come to heal the broken hearted. He has come to proclaim liberty to the captive, to everybody that is without Christ, to everybody that doesn't know Jesus. Jesus would say, I have come to heal your broken heart, to remove your sin, to heal that part of your life. I've come to proclaim that you can be free. Jesus said... uh, God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. That is his goal. Jesus doesn't want anyone to have to face eternity in hell. To have to face hell for all of eternity. He wants everyone to go to heaven. And now, after that, so you think, okay, I've given my life to the Lord, so I'm there. Well, I don't think that's where it ends. What are God's goals for you and I? I think his goals are that we would live and have and enjoy an abundant life. How? Jesus said, I've come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. How does he do so well? First of all, he wants us to enjoy a relationship with him. He wants us to know him. He wants us to enjoy entering into his presence and hanging out with him. He wants to fellowship with us. But another way that he wants to give us an abundant life, I believe, is he wants to empower you and I to be a vessel for him. Just like he did Peter and John and the early church. He wants to give you the supernatural power that comes from the Holy Spirit to be a witness for him. If you look briefly at verse 8 of chapter 4. What does it say about Peter? It says, then Peter filled with the Holy Spirit. If you would look at verse 31, what does it say about the church? It says, the place where they were assembled was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. All of this was done for the glory of God. And brothers and sisters, he wants to fill you in that same way. Another thing he did for them. Is it says that he shook the place that they were at. Was this an earthquake? Perhaps. But I don't think it was a coincidence. God shook that place. And it makes me think of the fact that God let them know. You know what? Church, Peter, John. You all are on the right track. Your, your perspective is accurate. Those prayers I hear, I will answer. I will work through you. I will empower you. And he let them know, okay, I'm here with you. And he shook the place. I'm there. You think about the Old Testament, how God let the people know that he was with him. Moses at the burning bush. The children of Israel in the tabernacle. Pillar of cloud by day, a pillar of fire by night. You think about how when Jesus was walking on the earth and how he confirmed that he is God with him through all the miracles and the wisdom that he had, the teachings, the healings. Today, God confirms that he is still with his people. And he does that by sending us his Holy Spirit, by intervening in your life, saving people, speaking to us through his word, and guess what? By filling us with his Holy Spirit. I want to close with a simple question. When is the last time that you prayed and asked God to fill you with his holy spirit? When's the last time you said, "Lord, would you fill me with your holy spirit so that I can be a witness for you? Lord, would you fill me with your holy spirit and do amazing things and wonders and signs?" All for your glory. Perhaps your goal today was, you know what, I'm going to go to church. I think God has higher goals for us. So I want us to do that. We're going to close. And I want us to pray. I think we should do it right now. I think we should pray and ask God to fill us with his Holy Spirit. Can we do that? Would you all close your eyes? Would you bow your heads? And let's come, let's come and ask God, Lord, we come before you this morning and you know the goals and the hopes and the dreams that we have. And Lord, many of them perhaps very temporary. Lord, we know that there are people in the world who don't know you who don't have a relationship with you and we pray first of all for them all of us right now pray for those people who don't know you Lord perhaps there are people listening right now who don't know you and we pray that they wouldn't just be contempt with temporary goals but Lord that they would realize that they have a need for you That they would realize that you have so much in store for them. And that you are the one who could bring them forgiveness of sins and eternal life. And if you are listening right now and you don't have that eternal life. You can have that by asking Jesus for that. And you could say this prayer in your heart and simply Ask him and say, Lord Jesus, I pray that you would give me eternal life. I pray that you would forgive me for all of my sins. Lord, I believe in you. I believe in your name. I believe that you died on the cross. That you have risen from the grave. And I confess and I ask that you would be my Lord and my Savior. And Father in hopes that all of us here belong to your family. Lord, we ask that you would do amazing things. That your will would be done, not our will. Lord, perhaps we're here and we don't think we are worthy. Lord, we could relate to Peter and John who are untrained and uneducated laymen. Lord, that is us. But the difference was that they Peter and John were with you. The difference was they were filled with your Holy Spirit. And so Lord, we cry out to you this morning. And we ask, humbly God, we're not worthy. But we ask that you would fill us with your Holy Spirit. Lord, that you would empower us to live for you that you would help us to realize what your goals are for us. Lord, it not, that it would not be us, that it would not be our pastor, but you working in him and in all of us. Lord, empower us by your spirit. Lord, do amazing and mighty things in and through us. Lord, how we long for you To use us as a vessel. Fill us. We pray in the name of Jesus. Fill us. In Jesus name. Amen.